0: I'm Deirdre Boza, and you're listening to CNBC's Tech Check. Our show is live weekdays at 11 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. Good Tuesday morning. Welcome to Tech Check. I'm Deirdre Boza with Carl Quintanilla and. John Ford, look, hey. you're here with me at yeah. One Market this morning. Today, Facebook's new North Star. After mixed results, will a shift toward young adults be the right direction? We will discuss. Then, Tesla heads to the moon, blowing past a trillion-dollar market cap. A breakdown of that stock's valuation. And finally, Adobe CEO Shantanu Narayan is here at One Market, an exclusive on cloud spend and it's a digital strategy that is all coming up. Carl, we miss you
2: by the I'll way. Meanwhile, well, guys. Uh, Very uh, interesting market day. We are at record highs on the Dow and the S&P, not too far from 4,600. It's been an interesting mix, uh, John, of um, earnings, pretty good guidance, uh, some uh, mix in there of uh, upping guidance on margins or earnings or revenue from some big industrials. And, of course, we'll keep an eye this hour on how tech folds into all of that.
3: Yeah, uh, speaking of earnings, our feed today starts with earnings from Facebook. Mixed results as Apple's new privacy changes weighed on ad sales, but user growth is strong, and Facebook forecasts some big spending numbers on the metaverse. And maybe the biggest concern for the business, a plan to stem younger users from fleeing for other
4: apps. We are retooling our teams to make serving young adults their north star rather than optimizing for the larger number of older people. Like everything, this will involve trade-offs in our products, and it will likely mean that the rest of our community will grow more slowly than it otherwise would have. But it should also mean that our services become stronger for young adults.
3: Huh, yeah, Zuckerberg himself no longer qualifies as young. Under this demographic challenge, I think it's, it's under 30. Uh, right, Julia? Uh, Julia Borsten with us now. So they, ha- they have, in a way, this challenge with younger users. But then, as we sort of discussed yesterday, the stock, yeah, it's down 2 percent. But this is nowhere near uh, a snap level of stock concern this morning.
5: Yeah, but so John, just to refer to the comment about young adults, I think it's really important to note how they defined young adults. It was 19 to 29, they did not say teens. Teens are the area that they've drawn so much scrutiny for this idea that they're bad for teens and also the idea that they really are losing their stronghold on teens, which, of course, very quickly become young adults. So I think it's really essential there that they're basically talking about people in their 20s and a big piece of their attempt or their approach to getting those 20 somethings is going to be about reels and also about video content and then commerce. And also, John, we have to note that commerce is a great way for them to help circumnavigate some of those Apple targeting restrictions.
3: Hmm. Now, Dee, uh, this is a great setup, I think, for the overall challenges in tech right now, because here's a case of a strong company in Facebook continuing to be relatively strong, despite what we saw happen with Snap and Apple having an outsized impact on this whole ecosystem, Mm -hmm. even though sort of platform-wise, they're small. Remember, I mean, Apple's not Windows, Apple's not Android, but economically, it's a powerhouse.
0: Right, and those privacy changes are taking effect. I guess you have to wonder if this is sort of the peak, right? And we saw how much that hurt Snap and did hurt... Facebook but not as big of a disaster as it could have been. You know, if as Julia says, right, you, they're looking towards different revenue streams and you mentioned commerce, Julia, you mentioned Reels, but the metaverse is obviously a big play as well. Why do we assume that yes, Facebook is making huge investments in the space, but are they really going to be allowed to create the operating system? There could be some lateral plays here. We talked about Nvidia before many many times up 80% year to date, more than that, and that could be a play, right? If you believe that Snap, Julia could also come back here, right? If you think that this is an opportunity and they're going to be big players in the metaverse, why not pick up a snap that's valuation has come down a little bit since the latest earnings versus a Facebook?
5: Well, look, Deirdre, I think there are a couple of topics that you just raised there. One is in terms of this Apple issue, Snap said it wasn't going to be that big of a problem. They said, we think it's fine if we just work with Apple's measurements tools. We should be able to figure this out just by going with the Apple measurement tools. Facebook has been raising red flags about this iOS change and, and the limits to their targeting that it would bring for so many quarters now. So they actually were taking very proactive steps to create their own ways to get around the measurement and targeting limitations. And they're making some progress there. And Sheryl Sandberg talked a lot about how they will be making more progress um, in the fourth quarter. But they do have you know, to really build out their own way to manage measurement, when they've lost some of that access through Apple. So there's that issue. In terms of the metaverse, I just want to point out that it's essential to note that they are now going to be talking about the metaverse in a different reporting category. That's really important because that's where they're going to be spending a lot of money, but not making a lot of money. That is going to be a cost center. And the reason they're separating it out, John, is because they want to make sure that you understand that all their apps are continuing to grow and make money. in the metaverse, which may make money down the line, is not near The
3: the metaverse, What, what is that? Even is that just (laughs) AR and VR and a bunch of stuff to be determined There, analysts trying to figure out, you know, this morning on Squawk on the Street, calling it a black hole and you sort of trust Facebook because they grow stuff. But isn't this the same stuff that Facebook has failed to grow up to this point and they just sort of rebranded it and said it's the future?
5: Well, they're calling it Facebook Reality Labs. It's F-R-L. <laughs> and I think that for now, it is it is about AR and VR. And hopefully, you know, if, if you're an investor in the stock, then these become more revenue-generating things in the future. But, John, the question is sort of how do, does communication and entertainment and commerce and all of these different things move from being on a web or a mobile platform and into this more virtual platform. Well, and
0: also, metaverse. remember, Facebook wants to be synonymous, right, for the metaverse. But there's a whole metaverse ETF. And like we talked about, there's other plays. John, I can see you shaking your head in person now. <laughs> and you're F-R-L. kind of like, it's, well, it's, whatever. It's better than
3: FML, I guess. FRL. okay. There you
0: go. <laughs> Carl.
2: Uh, well, we'll see, guys. Uh, 320. We asked Kramer this morning whether or not he thought that might be the low, uh, and he said he thought it might be. Uh, we'll, we'll see over time. In the meanwhile, uh, Tesla is putting the T in Trillion, the joining the likes of Apple, Microsoft, uh, and Amazon. Mike Santoli's got to look at that valuation. And Mike, we said this morning in the nine that it added two Fords uh, to the market cap gain just yesterday.
1: Yeah, uh, obviously Tesla and Ford operating really in different galaxies, feeding off of different investor energies and different uh, really mindsets and centuries, you might say. I mean, how many, you know, uh, Macy's and, uh, and Walmarts did Amazon consume on the way up? I think that's maybe the way to think about it. Tesla, no doubt, being uh, sort of valued as a, as a software and kind of world-changing story, not necessarily as a manufacturer. I have a, a year and a half, just about a year and a half chart up here because I want to show how the cadence of gains and these sprints that Tesla has is not something unique to right now. So this right here uh, shows you when Tesla announced the stock split Uh, August of 2020. In three weeks, the stock went from 275 to 500. It's a non-fundamental input. It shouldn't matter to the valuation. It mattered to the stock. And as soon as you got to that split was effective, the fever broke. That was when FANG and other mega cap growth kind of fell apart for about a month, two months, and that was the the decline right there. Then S&P says it's going to add it uh, to the index, the S&P 500 index. It goes on another run. It peaks right about here at 675 the moment it got into the S&P 500. It also backed off. We had the other run into the early part of this year, the ARK speculative growth stock uh, kind of phase. And that actually worked for a while, but we actually were underwater if you bought it through the S&P 500 index for a lot of this year. And now we're on another one of these sprints. It's not just about Hertz ordering 100,000 cars. It's about everything. It's technical momentum. It's the fact that you had a good quarter. It's the fact that you have people on the street putting $1,200 price targets on it. And it's the fact that there is a stupendous amount of money being placed into short-term call options in this stock as of the last couple of days. Helping to shoot it higher, So it's self-reinforcing in the very short term, but that's getting pretty vertical, as it did right there. Look at the other stocks that have preceded Tesla into the trillion-dollar market cap range. The first lesson you would get from this chart is that it hasn't acted as any kind of a ceiling, right? So these stocks have kind of powered through. Uh, You want to talk about Apple in August? Of 2018, you know it doesn't really matter which one you put but it's right here. It had 265 billion dollars in revenue that year, 60 billion dollars in re- in, uh, in earnings. You have Tesla this year supposed to do 52 billion in revenue and 7 billion in earnings. The only one that really compares in terms of the uh, valuation on earnings is Amazon when it got to a trillion dollars in September of 2018, 232 billion in, in revenue that year, but 10 billion in net income. Famously, Amazon restraining its margins. Tesla doesn't restrain its margins. is enjoying very high margins. And it basically, similar story for Microsoft and Alphabet as well. They basically had far larger business scale uh, when they got to tr- a trillion dollars, even if the stocks could not be considered cheap on an outright valuation basis, except for Apple, perhaps. Uh,
2: Mike, you know, there's this piece on the wire right now looking at yesterday's action on Tesla. And they point out the Hertz order, uh, passive fund buying, yeah. um, a squeeze on short sellers. But then the options, the bullish options bets and the way in which market makers had to buy to hedge. I mean, is it a comment on how options are an increasingly powerful dynamic on individual names?
1: Absolutely. Been the case for about a year and a half. And in the short term, it's absolutely the thing that creates this force behind the buying. Now, it only can happen if you're going to have fundamental owners of the company that are not going to be active sellers into it in a very urgent way. Uh, And we do know from uh, from Tesla, it has a never sell core shareholder base that is allowing that to happen in the short term. Again, the fever ultimately breaks. A lot of those options literally expire on Friday. They're weekly options. So you have to see how the, the market navigates it from here.
0: Mike, I like how you called them the never sell, John. We also call them uh, hodlers, right? And it's important to remember that Tesla got to this point. One trillion dollar market cap made a lot of retail investors rich along the way. It wasn't just institutions, hedge funds, but Tesla has been this hot consumer company now it's this sort of fleet company, right? I heard an analysts talking earlier today saying that, OK, yeah, the competition's coming. It'll be online by 2025. But that's a lot of time for Tesla to collect a lot of data, to figure out what works with Hertz, potentially going into ride sharing, logistics. Yeah, but I mean, I'm not
3: uh, a, a stock analyst, but I've been a tech reporter for a while. And this reminds me of some previous cycles where sometimes investors start thinking that what's familiar is normal. And in unusual times, Things that become familiar like really high valuations and people believing in either one stock or one person or, you know, a group of stocks, that's not necessarily normal. So don't get used to thinking, oh, because Tesla's been high for so long, it's going to be high forever. Because it's had this valuation for so long, that's just the valuation it deserves forever under all circumstances. I mean, people got to figure out what they really think this company is and how much they believe that and therefore how much they're willing to lean into that. I mean, even Elon Musk at code, last month was scratching his head a little bit about the stock action.
0: So don't say he didn't warn you. Uh, Right. He does warn you. But are you throwing cold water on Tesla's valuation or that whole idea of sort of creative metrics that a company may be worth more because it won't just be in that one industry like a Tesla is not a car company.
3: Far be it for me to throw cold water on a valuation. (laughs) I'm just looking back over time. And I remember a bunch of stocks that were hot In 2000. Right. And sometimes what happens is, if something stays familiar in that space for long enough, people start coming up with justifications for why that's just the new normal or it's going to stay that way. And then maybe it doesn't.
0: Ouch. Fair, fair. Well, you mentioned inflation and we're talking Tesla. So let's talk about Kathy Woods. And she had some comments on the inflation debate and technology. Yesterday was Jack Dorsey. Today, it's Elon Musk warning about high inflation. Kathy Wood responding to both, reiterating her call that new technologies will help, quote, bend the curve and keep prices in check. In the short term, at least, while we've experienced these supply constraints, higher prices, Woods' ARK Invest funds have underperformed. Year to date, the ARK Innovation Fund is still negative. And worth noting, too, that under the third quarter. um, All six of her funds underperformed. And, you know, she puts it in terms, she looks at next generation technologies like artificial intelligence and saying that these will ultimately be deflationary sources. And after the bell today, we're going to get two very important indicators of this Microsoft and Google parent alphabet. And I know last time you spoke, you spoke to Satya Nadella. He had some comments on deflation and cloud forces at work. Yeah, he was talking. I was
3: asking him about how Microsoft is raising prices on Microsoft 365 on Office in the coming year, I think around March, uh, the prices are supposed to go up. And while those prices are going up, at the same time, he was arguing that what they're working on is deflationary in the sense that you're going to be able, as a business, to get work done and spend less money doing it. So there are these sort of microeconomies, almost like you know, little microclimates, I guess, uh, when we're talking about global and, and the world. And I think there's some deflationary microeconomies, perhaps, within companies, within industries. And so for an investor, I'm not sure it's relevant how much inflation is going on. Like if you believe in AI and certain companies having an advantage because of their scale, because of their cloud heft in those areas, I'm not sure inflation affects it that much. If you look back uh, over the past couple of technology cycles, mobile, mm-hmm. cloud, uh, et cetera, you know, open source, did inflation or deflation really have it? Not really, those were just game changers. Right. Carl. All right, guys, uh, when we come back, Adobe's
2: Shantanu and Ryan is next. Plus, a look at Coinbase and Robinhood ahead of earnings tonight. Tech checks just getting started.
0: Get check on Coinbase. It is up more than 40 percent since just the start of the month. Citi initiating the stock at a buy today price target of four hundred and fifteen dollars, trading lower by about one tenth of a percent this morning. But Citi says shares are positioned to make higher highs and higher lows because of crypto volatility. Remember, coin still has not reached its highs from its IPO back in April. And take a look at shares of Robinhood. They are in the green this morning, ahead of its earnings report after the bell today. That stock is just up about 4% since its IPO, and another name more than 50% off of its highs. Different trading in these names, certainly over the last month, Kate Rooney, joining me on set. Thank you very much. to be here. And as we look ahead to earnings, it's all about these viral events, right, which is really what drives the trading in Robinhood that drives its revenue.
6: Yeah, absolutely. First quarter, it was GameStop, and that was their first— quarter really reporting as a public company. Second quarter was Dogecoin, Elon Musk, SNL, the huge run-up in Dogecoin and cryptocurrency. And the mix of transaction-based revenue went from equities Mm -hmm. to crypto. Crypto. Essentially a crypto. It is a crypto. crypto And it was more than half of transaction-based revenue, up from something like 3% a year earlier. So Robinhood really was looking like a crypto company in the last quarter. They guided, though, in the last earnings report saying Listen, crypto is going to slow down. Trading revenue is going to slow down. And so they've they've set the stage for slower growth. Has there been a viral event in Q3? I know it was on leave, so I'm trying to think. There wasn't like a GameStop or an AMC. or Nothing close. But there was a big move in Bitcoin. There was. And analysts have said, you know, this the social media stock market interaction or crypto interaction is not going away but it's just not predictable. So they're saying, you know, this is going to continue to be a tailwind for Robinhood. There will be more viral events. We just don't know what those are. (laughs) Right. And we haven't necessarily had a big one in the third quarter. So then this
0: quarter, then our investors sort of looking for this diversifying revenue stream, right? We know that Robinhood is trying to sell different, more financial products, take advantage of that huge young user base. But same time, they've got competition. You broke the news of PayPal's Venmo getting into stock trading. That seems like a big
6: threat. That's a big one to watch. The mix of revenue, whether it's Equities or crypto. And then the other thing is uh, payment for order flow mm-hmm. and how much of that is still making up Robinhood's revenue. And if there's any other, whether it's subscription-based revenue, any other sort of financial services that are coming in to supplement payment for order flow as that comes under pressure. And Robinhood executives have said before, we don't think it's going to be banned. And if it is, we'll find another way to make money. But even on the crypto side, the rebates are making up a big portion.
0: I was going to say, we have that call on coin this morning and now Robinhood monetizing some of those users. Uh, It'll be fascinating to see. And Kate, I know you'll bring us all the headlines from that call. Meanwhile, let's get over to John. He just went downstairs to the one market balcony and he is talking Adobe, which is kicking off its creativity conference. John, I'm going to throw it down over to you down there.
3: All right, Deitra, thank you. I'm here with Shantanu Narayan, the CEO of Adobe, ahead of Adobe Max. Great to be in person with you. We haven't, I mean, it's been a couple years almost since you've done an in-person interview. So thanks for doing it with me.
7: Uh, It feels great to be back, John, and welcome to California. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. I I
3: plan to pop out here often. Now, uh, as we're talking about digital media and digital marketing i want to start off with just the upheaval in the digital marketing space that we've seen from snap from facebook over these ios changes you guys uh, as we've been talking about over the last few days have deep insight into data and what's happening in marketing and with retailers how is that affecting you guys as your customers are hungry for data that's telling them whether their business is working the way it should
7: Well, John, first, big picture, I think everybody realizes that it's going to be a digital first world. And so it doesn't matter whether you're a government. It doesn't matter whether you're a financial institution. All businesses are saying, how do we engage with our customers digitally? I think in that journey, you have to navigate, as you point out, what you're doing with the security of information, what you're doing with privacy. Uh, But the big conversation that we're having with every company is instead of focusing on third-party data, how do you really take advantage of your first-party data? Mm. How do you create a trust relationship with your customers? And so I think we're seeing a transition, uh, even from the advertising where the focus was on acquisition and where third-party data was important and people talked about the cookie world, to what can you do with first-party data? When a customer engages with you, how do you create that personalized experience? And so I think that tailwind is only going to continue and the focus is going to be on ensuring that your first party data is viewed as an asset. Mm. And I think the other thing that I think all of these companies would say is that that trends only going to continue and therefore Adobe is going to become more relevant in that journey.
3: And that creative content that gets created in Premiere, Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign, so many others is sort of what, what creates that relationship that gets you the first party data. So let's talk about Max. What are the most important announcements out of this, Uh, you've been leaning heavily into AI, into content attribution, which goes
7: to the security stuff? Uh, There is so much, again, at max. And, you know, it's just this incredible event for our product folks because it all comes together. We're going to miss the part where we were with the community and, you know, you have... Uh, tens of thousands of people with us, but last year we had over 20 million streams. Hmm. A couple of key announcements. The first is, as you point out, artificial intelligence and Adobe Sensei. All of our products are being infused with this, so new versions of Photoshop and Illustrator and Lightroom are certainly coming out. The Frame IO acquisition that I know we've covered. And so collaboration is a big theme and what we are doing around collaboration. Another theme is everything to do with how people can engage in the web as people are increasingly working in different places. And so we're gonna be previewing uh, versions of Photoshop on the web, Illustrator on the web, some really new products like what we call Canvas on the web, uh, where people can really engage and uh, participate and creativity for all. How do we make our products more accessible, more fun, more enjoyable for a much broader set of community?
3: How much potential is there to expand the market for high-end creative tools? I mean, I'm looking at what Canva has been doing, and you guys have been, over your tenure, not letting anybody run away with any markets, but uh, how much of, of what's happening now is using the web to enable people who might not see themselves as an apparently creative to use these tools
7: i think increasingly everybody has the story to tell and our mission of enabling people to tell that story it's the golden age of design and creativity. Hmm. New devices are emerging, uh, new ways of consumption are emerging, uh, new formats are emerging, the power that you're seeing with chips and everything moving to the cloud. I know there's a lot of conversation around the metaverse as well. And so when we think about the opportunity for Adobe, it's never been greater. Hmm. And whether that's the web as a surface, whether that's mobile as a surface, uh, collaboration, new media types, You know, our product teams have been incredibly excited about the canvas on which they can create stuff. You mentioned
3: chips. I'm going to talk to Pat Gelsinger at Intel while I'm out here in just a couple of hours. But there's been a lot of talk about Apple, the M1, uh, the Pro, and the Max. That's a lot of power that they're putting out there. And it's going to take, I mean, they're relying on you, right, to make the best use of that. How much potential is there to expand the productivity and just the, the creative Uh, uh, capabilities uh, of your customer base from what seems like an unprecedented amount of competition and innovation that's happening in CPUs and GPUs right now?
7: Well, I think, John, if you take a step back, you can never have enough computing power or, you know, you can never have enough bandwidth. And so, you know, we lap it up. And I realize how old I am when I sometimes think about the first versions of the Mac or Windows operating systems and what you had in memory. Mm -hmm. But in terms of translating that power, whether that's the M1 chips where Photoshop now runs 80% faster than it used to run or what we are doing with NVIDIA and GPUs, as you talked about, and the opportunity for Intel, it's really about that instant creativity. So when you're rendering a film, instead of waiting for it to be processed, you can immediately see what that reaction is and it accelerates the process. As people are working remotely, you know, the entire uh, film industry and broadcast industry has moved to, you know, working remotely. Mm. So how can people engage in that editing in real time? You know, uh, sort of the Google Docs, what they did for word processing, what we can do for creativity. And so it's incredibly exciting. uh, But our engineers will lap up any amount of power that you give them and want more. But you mentioned remote work. Finally, uh, you got this
3: vaccine mandate, December 8th, uh, employees, if they're not uh, vaccinated, go on unpaid leave, but you are leaving room for exceptions, religious, medical. Why is that important to do?
7: Well, as you all, uh, as you know, first there's the executive order and the executive order requires every company and Adobe certainly falls in that category where you do federal work that you have to you know uh, satisfy the executive order uh, from our perspective uh you know my personal belief certainly is that the vaccination and science uh, has been the true hero of this pandemic in terms of what they've been able to do uh, but it's a delicate issue and so we recognize that we have to give the appropriate accommodations and exemptions to people uh, but in this case we're satisfying the executive order that exists and we will you know be very uh, accommodating of of people as we navigate through this
3: well, as we navigate, it's good to be back in person uh, doing this. Uh, it's, it's great to do it over software, but it's also great to do it in person. and Narayan, Adobe CEO, thanks for being with us on TechCheck.
7: Thanks for having me, John. Carl. All right, John,
2: when we come back, Apple's conflict with the ad giants, how Tim Cook is reshaping business models across the Internet and his own as well. Plus, Snapchat shares may be down almost 30% since the drop last week, but... Kathy Woods buying, purchasing over 460,000 shares, selling a little PayPal and Pinterest. Don't go away.
8: Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production. And they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand.
2: Welcome back to Tech Check. I'm Carl Quintanilla with John Fortin, Deirdre Bosa. Stocks broadly higher today. Got some record highs on the Dow and the S&P. Just a few points now from 4,600, thanks to some strength from Apple and Amazon today. NVIDIA at the top of the NASDAQ. More on that in a moment. First, though, let's get a news update with Rahel Solomon. Hi, Rahel
8: hi carl good morning and here's what's happening at this hour consumer confidence rising unexpectedly this month that's despite rising inflation where consumers are planning to buy homes cars and major appliances also the conference board says that nearly half of americans plan to take a vacation in the next six months and that's the highest proportion since the pandemic began and speaking of new homes sales surging 14 percent last month to the fastest pace in six months The sales growth coming despite rising prices. The median price of a new home rose 9.5% over the last year to nearly $409,000. UPS shares soaring 7%. Q3 results got a boost from strong e-commerce demand and higher shipping rates. The company also raising guidance for full-year operating margins. And shares of Lockheed Martin extending losses now down about 11%, also trading near their lowest level in eight months aerospace and defense company says that supply chain issues and other external factors are heading sales and profits. You're now up to date. Carl, I'll send it back to you.
2: Well, thanks. Uh, All lies have been on names like Facebook and Tesla today, but Josh Lipton's got some other movers of the Nasdaq. Hey, Josh. So, Carl, let's get
4: right to some movers here. Check out NVIDIA. It is on a roll up strongly today, hitting a new all-time high. In fact, it's now up about 90% in 2021. It's not just NVIDIA, though. AMD and Broadcom hitting new all-time highs this morning as well. AMD, of course, reporting results after the bell. And on the downside, take a look at Logitech reporting results. Investors not happy. Firmly in the red now this year and 40% off its June high. Back to you, all.
0: Thanks, Josh. Meanwhile, take a look at Facebook. Facebook, again, it is falling after an initial earnings. Like Snap, the company is warning of headwinds, lowering its outlook, reflecting, quote, the significant uncertainty from Apple's new ad privacy changes. Apple, meanwhile, faces its own scrutiny, the information reporting that the company will indeed likely face an antitrust lawsuit from the DOJ, while the Financial Times has been reporting that Apple's in-house ad business has become a giant business seemingly overnight. Joining us now for more on this is former Facebook and Slow Ventures general partner Sam Lesson. Uh, Sam, good to have you. I know that you've pointed out that chart as well, just the growth of Apple's ad business in light of these changes which have benefited the company. But Apple is giving users the option, and users are choosing. They don't want to be tracked all over the web anymore on their phones.
4: Have you gone through that dialogue and made that choice? Um, Choice is an interesting question. I mean, I think in the end of the day... (laughs) I mean... The interesting thing about a lot of these decisions and how they're set up is, you know, if you actually, for those users and probably most of your listeners who have gone through that, it wasn't really much of a choice, Um, you know, and that that is kind of how these dialogues and the nuances of them work. I mean, many companies have been criticized over the years for this, but it's very, very hard to give users a fair and fully informed consent choice in a single page dialogue about what they want to choose. What Apple did, which is business smart, right, Um, but it explains that incredible growth in their advertising business was they basically made it so that, you know, in the end of the day, it was pretty darn hard to not choose um, to opt into their policies and, the, and their framework. And look, they found the perfect cover. You have to give Apple a lot of credit. The absolute perfect cover was was basically framing this as a pro-privacy thing, because who doesn't want privacy, right? Um, and then f- putting it in a context where they have this very nice uh, enemy that they've created in Facebook, that, you know, from a political perspective is very is very expedient to beat up on. So I think in the end of the day, it's like, yeah, I look at that chart. I'm like, wow, you want to talk about monopoly power? That's exactly what it looks like. But Sam, right? it's are, the are you saying...
0: Are you saying that Apple simplified it too much? That users didn't really know what they were opting in or out of? I mean, it does seem pretty no, straightforward and simple to course. a lot of people. Do you want to be tracked or not? People don't want to be tracked. Facebook is. Do going you know to what it? Do you
4: know it? I think the happened. question is: Do you even know a track? Do consumers even know what tracking means? Right, and they know the implications of that. Do they know what that means for the ability of small businesses to get them the goods and services they want at good prices? Do they actually know what any of this stuff means? The answer is no, right? And the answer is Apple knows that. And they did something that's extremely expedient from their perspective. Um, again, the interesting thing about what Apple has done is they basically pulled the Microsoft playbook from the, from the 1990s, but they actually pulled it off, right, because they did way better PR, um, and they've set themselves up in an incredibly advantageous position as a result. So, look, regulation is coming, and it's complicated, and it's not clear that Washington knows how to deal with this stuff either. Um, and, but it is an interesting question where, you know, the people used to joke about those click-through agreements. We you scroll through pages and pages and pages and just to accept, that's what Apple did, but in reverse, right? Which is you make a question so simple, right? That everyone says, yeah, of course I want privacy. Who doesn't want privacy? Everyone loves privacy. What does that mean? I don't know, right? So it's just fascinating to watch it all play out, honestly. It's, it's, um, it's making me somewhat cynical about, about the industry and, and the government. For, for, again, I'm coming around to that perspective.
2: Well, maybe some might argue, Sam, that um, instead Facebook shouldn't have allowed their model to become so reliant on, on their product.
4: On, oh, well, that I agree with. I mean, I think this is actually, if you think about the future of the metaverse and where things are going, yeah, it is really rough to build on someone else's platform. Um, and, you know, in a world of the duopoly of Android and, and iOS, is not a world that I think any other technology company would have chosen. Um, but it is how the world played out, partially because it's so expensive to get into that game and to have kind of built those platforms. And so... We do exist in a world where there's basically two, it's a duopoly with Apple controlling all the most valuable customers, um, which is an interesting world to be in, um, you know, from an example. And that's when you look at tech platforms that love the web or are looking for new platforms to build, you can understand why, because they, they hate being on top of these platforms.
0: It, Sam, I feel like that's exactly it. It's hard to build on someone else's operating system. So that's what Facebook is trying to do in the metaverse, right? Build its own platform where it then can potentially have more control, charge commissions itself. I wonder then if you think that Facebook at this point, the downside is already priced into shares. I mean, you take a look at the valuations, forward P.E. ratios. Um, Facebook is roughly 20 times fiscal 2022 earnings. Apple's at 26 times. It's expected to its revenue 3 percent only next Next year. So do you think that investors are sort of undervaluing the company right now and this could sort of take off, especially if those metaverse ambitions prove to pan out?
4: Yeah, look, I think what's going to happen to the next generation of platforms is the question that every venture capitalist like me cares about right now. And it's not so obvious that it's going to be a repeat of what happened before, right, where you're going to have an app store and it's going to be a controlled platform. I think if you look at what's happening in crypto, which is where the vast majority of of early stage, interesting deals are coming from right now, right? Crypto is the future mm-hmm. of these platforms mm-hmm. and how that weaves into the metaverse and the future of technology is not, cl- you know, it's like, how many times can you fool someone on having an app store and controlling that and what the implications of that are? It's like at some point people figure it out. So I think what you're going to see is the technology future and what the metaverse is and how Facebook fades in, and is going to be way more interesting and modern and complex um, than the current world we exist in. But yeah, if you're asking from a pure value perspective, You know, it is interesting to watch. I do think investors have priced in the fact that it's extremely hard to exist on someone else's platform, Mm -hmm. Um, and you know that's the game,
0: (laughs) right? But if they're building the next platform, could be an opportunity here. You got those uh, ratios on your screen there. To be clear, I think.
4: Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I mean, to be clear, I think the the push into metaverse is, I think, a good one for Facebook. And the end of the day. It's going to be another one of those exercises extremely expensive and time consuming to build, meaning very few companies can actually lay the groundwork the way someone like a Facebook Mm -hmm. can and invest consistently to make it happen. But I do think that, you know, I wouldn't expect an app store the same way to exist again in the next generation of technology. I think all the technologists in the world, we've seen this play out. Um, And it's not going to happen again. And I think crypto provides an opportunity to move forward.
0: Right. It's a good point. And we know that Facebook has been trying to make moves in crypto, too. Sam Lesson, thanks so much for joining us today. We'll talk to you again soon.
4: Thanks so much.
2: (laughs) Meantime, Microsoft, Alphabet, Twitter, AMD. We've got what to expect as those results roll in after the bell tonight. Plus, remember Backed, we told you about the crypto company's new MasterCard partnership that sent shares surging yesterday, giving some back today. Uh, More Tech Check continues after a short break.
3: on spotify today uh up fractionally shares have massively underperformed year-to-date down more than 16 percent but morgan stanley is bullish saying compelling upside could be ahead given growth in the company's premium users and gross margins we'll get a check on those numbers when they report results tomorrow stay with us
0: for another gut check and some Intel. On Intel, BMO downgrading it this morning after that earnings sell-off on Friday, takes the bull rating off and calls it a market perform. The problem here, they say, isn't the foundry investment impact. It's the underlying assumptions Gelsinger is factoring in that BMO just cannot wrap their heads around. Price target down to 52 from 60 with a downside scenario of 45. That stock at about 48 and change right now. And John, you're speaking to Gelsinger again later today, and this is it feels like it's been a critical juncture for intel for many many years now and If not Gelsinger, who in the world can pull it off? It's an ambitious plan, certainly. It
3: is one of the most ambitious turnaround plans that I've ever seen in technology. And part of what's unusual about it is Gelsinger is laying the whole thing out and saying, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we have to do. Usually when there's a turnaround plan, it kind of rolls out in secret and people see it in dribs and drabs and gradually believe. But this is like Ocean's Eleven, right? (laughs) Like, what are the chances of them actually pulling off that heist? In the movie, they do. Can Gelsinger do it in the semiconductor market? And here we have a lot of analysts uh, betting against them because because it's it. it, Who's ever done this before? Sections
0: eleven, yeah. Then
3: the the chances, Uh, especially Carl, when it comes to that compound annual growth rate of ten to twelve percent, which Intel has never hit in the past. But if they pull off this plan, maybe they can.
2: Uh, Yeah, it's going to take some time. And that's certainly why the market uh, has sent Intel shares now negative for the year. In the meantime, over 90 percent of analysts covering Microsoft and Google have buy ratings on those names. But after the big runs already this year, can they beat expectations and keep going higher? We'll talk about that in a moment. Stay with us. Two big tech players reporting earnings tonight, Microsoft and Alphabet, the street expecting some massive cloud revenue growth from both names. With us this morning, Paul Meeks of Independent Solutions Wealth Management. Paul, it's good to see you again. Doesn't sound like you think much is cheap right now. What's your thought going into tonight?
9: I actually think that uh, Google you know, is trading about 27 times. s and is trading about 23. Of course, uh, Google is uh, much more profitable and faster growing. That could be viable, though I'm always uh, hesitant about buying before a big information download like you might have tonight. Uh, Microsoft, I think, is uh, very expensive. You, know, you have a, a company that even if things go right, it's trading at a uh, peg ratio or uh, PE to growth at about uh, four times its natural growth rate. And of course, all these companies had uh, some sort of benefit during COVID. They were beneficiaries. And so at some point, you know, they start to uh, more naturally slow Don't worry about Google. Do worry a little bit about Microsoft.
2: Yeah, it does sound like Google is your favorite fang name, at least. How do you think they have managed to escape the conversation regarding regulatory risk, I guess, relative to their large peers?
9: That's what I'm going to be looking for tonight, because uh, what ails Facebook does not necessarily ail Google, or at least not to the uh, same nasty effect. But uh, there will be some discussion, you know, particularly since these companies report so uh, close to one another. Let's see what happens. In the meantime, the fundamentals be great. They do have slightly different uh, digital advertising models. Uh, Google's a little bit more insulated by what uh, Apple's doing with the opt-out for the app developers, but we'll have to see. I expect uh, the numbers to be good. Google is going to report year-to-year revenue growth at least 40% and have a um, EPS growth rate of about half that pace and I expect also a a pretty good forecast for uh, the next quarter.
3: Yeah, Paul, I I think it's interesting that outside of Google, uh, Microsoft, and Netflix, some of the names that you like are semiconductor names. Tell me how you view their prospects, especially in light of the fact that the hyperscale cloud providers have so much influence, especially in the data center side, over how uh, the semiconductor players have to lay out their roadmaps, how they have to customize.
9: Excellent question. You know, I'm a little bit uh, more hesitant than I had been on the uh, semis, uh, not necessarily due to uh, what you've just alluded to, but the fact that even semiconductor companies need raw materials and their supply constraint. A lot of people blame what's happening in the global supply chain on semiconductor vendors, but yes, they're impacted too. And if they can't uh, ship enough uh, units, it's going to hurt them. But yes, I think over time, that uh, the ones that are high-end uh, CPUs, GPUs will continue to do well, continue to gain share, continue to see uh, more verticals in which they can uh, integrate their products. Uh, but yeah, they're pretty expensive too. Some have come down. Probably my favorite semiconductor name right now is uh, Micron because I have a contrarian view that it's uh, very cheap and their long run growth is sustainable. But some of the other ones, you know, same thing goes, a little bit expensive going into these prints.
0: Right. And Paul, what are you expecting out of Alphabet's cloud units? Still unprofitable, but investors willing to look past that considering how much cash they're actually bringing in. Is there a point where investors are going to be looking for it to be profitable? Is that important to them?
9: Oh, sooner or later, yes. But in the meantime, uh, it's all about the growth and it's all about taking some market share from AWS and uh, Azure. We know that uh, Google brought in new leadership in cloud very aggressive sales guy from Oracle, has been taking some share. And if you take a look back in 2006, when Amazon started showing some traction, not in their e-commerce business, but in AWS, that's when that stock went on a multi-year run. I think this is a real nice catalyst, maybe not in the near term, but in the long term for Google.
2: It's going to be an interesting 48 hours ahead with these big names coming in, Paul. Always good to get your take. Thanks so much. Paul Meeks there.
0: We will take a look at Texas Instruments also reporting today in cities telling investors, buckle your seatbelts, opening a negative catalyst call on the stock as they expect shares to sell off following disappointing guidance. Shares down about nine tenths of one percent. We'll be right back.
3: It came up earlier that Apple is likely to face an antitrust lawsuit from the Department of Justice, according to a report from the Information. That report says the DOJ has made significant progress in recent months on its probe of the tech giant, which began in 2019. The flurry of activity over the summer includes DOJ lawyers inquiring how Apple maintains its strong control over the iPhone, as well as a fresh set of subpoenas sent to Apple's Business partners, D. if it's funny, uh, Sam Lesson, more Sam Lesson, please, uh, because there's so much anti-Facebook. It's nice to have a strong, like all in pro Facebook voice. He was saying that all of the customers
0: were the few people who would say that, by the way. But go ahead. Yeah.
3: All the. Hey, you got to have uh, that, that balance. All the premium customers are on Apple. Now, that's so interesting because over the years we've seen Samsung, right, biggest chip maker, display maker in the world, challenge Apple on phones. Mm. They should have been able to figure that out, but they couldn't. We've seen Google, massive advertising player, massive tech company, challenge Apple with Android, get more smartphone market share than Apple, and yet still not be able to command the preview. But Apple's a monopoly. I'll look forward to seeing what the DOJ's case is here. Well,
0: we'll talk about branding, right? I mean, even when we talked to Sam Lesson, it's hard to argue, even when he was saying that users don't really know what they're opting in or out of. I think that they do. And Apple has built this brand around privacy, whether you believe it or not. I think that's what the average consumer and perhaps lawmaker may believe. So it might be harder to go after Apple. But you take a look at at Google, right, Carl? And, you know, they have the Google Play Store commissions before the actual any kind of ruling came down. So perhaps this will weigh on Apple.
2: Uh, We'll see. I mean, Apple ostensibly is doing it not just for PR purposes, as Sam would argue, uh, but because their customers see value in it. By the way, the story out of the information founded by Jessica Lesson. So a lot of lessons regarding Apple today. Uh, Busy night tonight. And of course, in the morning, Mm -hmm. we will get Coke, McDonald's, Boeing.
0: You've been listening to CNBC's Tech Check. You can always catch us live weekdays at 11 a.m. Eastern.
1: Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at t slash network today.
2: Coverage not available
8: in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.